John 10 is an incredibly remarkable passage, and it's uh, probably one of the most quoted passages besides John 3. It's probably one of the most quoted passages in the Bible. You've all heard that place where Jesus said, I know those who are mine, and none shall snatch them out of my hand. But if you read it in context, you read the whole thing as a continuous thought, as John no doubt wrote it, you realize that Jesus is still talking to the Pharisees and he's still answering the situation concerning this man who was blind and healed when he goes into John 10. You remember that disciples came to Jesus and they asked him a question. And uh, it's probably in some form or another a question that all of us ask God. It's certainly a question that Job asked God. And it's, it's this perspective that views suffering and hardship solely as God's judgment on somebody. I suppose it can be that, for sure, but not every time someone is going through something very difficult, not every time does that mean it's God's judgment in their life. Amen? But Jesus implies that somehow... The hard things we go through represent opportunities for God to be glorified in us. And that's an incredible promise all by itself because it elevates these difficult, hard things that we're suffering and it gives them this potential to be a prism through which people can see the glory of God. And so the man, the disciples ask Jesus, was this man born blind because he sinned or because his parents sinned? And Jesus says, neither, but that you might see the glory of God. And Jesus puts the mud on his eyes and he heals the man. And the man who is known by everybody in the area is grown up blind. When he comes back and hangs around the same crowd, they're astonished. And they they say, is this not the man who was blind? And immediately they take him to the Pharisees. You have to wonder why they did that. But I think that that happens a lot. I remember just after Brother D.K. got the Holy Spirit. Brother D.K., are you here tonight? Oh, I'm going to have to call him up. He's absconded on us. But just after Brother D.K. got the Holy Spirit, uh, he called us up and he said, well... Um, I've never talked with my chaplain at the university before, but he heard that I got the Holy Spirit and he's very concerned for me. Well, what are chaplains for? Protect people from the Holy Spirit. I can understand that. So he said he wants to meet with me because he's also very concerned that I'm about to be baptized. DK's from China. He had never been baptized before. He wasn't even a believer uh, a short time before. So he said, would you want to go with me? I said, sure. So what had happened is his friends had heard that he, had, he was blind and now he could see and they got very nervous. <laughs> so they went to the Pharisees immediately and said, could you please, could you please help this situation out? When we went, to that, we went to this little coffee shop and we sat down, Brother DK and I spent some time praying beforehand and we thought we were going to come discuss the Holy Spirit. And so we brought the only thing that we need to discuss the Holy Spirit. And we sat down at the table, each of us with our Bibles respectfully. And he looked at us and he looked at our Bibles and he looked at the other one and he looked at the Bible and he said, well, I just realized I'm going to have to be going pretty soon here. So uh, we'll make this real brief. We must have talked for only three minutes. And that was it. But Jesus didn't get off so easy that day with the Pharisees. Amen. And so they kept challenging him, wanting to know, they wanted this man to deny his own experience. And that's a whole discussion all by itself. But they wanted this man to deny his own experience. And he just couldn't bring himself to do it. If God had maybe done something less stupendous, maybe he'd be able to deny his experience. But in this case, he couldn't. And if you think about it, that's what God wants to do in the hearts of every single one of us. He wants something so wonderful, so powerful, so glorious to happen to us that the forces of darkness 
just can't get us to deny his power and his glory anymore. Amen? Sister Shea, this girl who's 21 years old and also in university, who was just here last week, she came very concerned about her parents because she heard they had received the Holy Spirit. And she came very concerned, with a willing heart, but nonetheless quite concerned, stopped her studies just long enough in in the book of Acts and apologetics at the university to come down here and visit for a week. Well, while she was here, the Lord filled her with his spirit. And we said, well, you know, when you go back, you're going to have a hard time. And people are going to challenge you and they're going to ask you questions. And she said, well, they all say that it's it's, uh, ceased, that the gifts of the spirit have ceased. It's a doctrine, it's a cessationalism, they call it. It's all ceased. And she said, but it's too late because it already happened to me. (laughs) I like that. That's what happened to this man. It was too late. It already happened to me. Amen? And that's what God wants to happen in each one of our hearts. Because there are are challenges that we're going to face. And some of those challenges are hard conversations with people, maybe even loved ones. But some of those challenges could even be more difficult than that. It could be when the whole world turns upside down. It could be when someone's born blind or when we suffer something. And we have to have an encounter with God that brings us into direct experience with his love and his goodness to such a degree that we can say every time, it's too late. I've already experienced it. Amen? Okay, so they didn't like what Jesus had done. And the, the man, they kept asking the man, and he kind of got a little bit sarcastic. I don't know if he should have done that or not, but it got him disfellowship that day. But he said, they kept asking him the same question, and he kept repeating it. And they brought his parents in, and his parents said the same. His parents were not very helpful, I, I will say. They, they were like, well, he's of age, ask him. You know, don't, don't implicate us in this. Whether he's our son or not, we can say he is. But what happened to him or how it happened, you need to ask him, he's of age. So they kind of punted. They didn't really want to get involved in the fray. So they brought him back in and they asked him, and he said, well, you have already asked me and I've already told you, do you also want to become a follower of his? <laughs> but it was just two chapters earlier that they had, told the, they had sent the soldiers to arrest Jesus, these same Pharisees. And the soldiers came back empty-handed. And they said, why didn't you arrest him? And the soldiers said, and I'm paraphrasing, but they said, we went to arrest him. But nowhere and at no time has anyone ever spoken like this man. And we just could not. And they said, are you also becoming his followers? And they asked him a a, a real, they asked the soldiers a, a key question. They said, have any of the Pharisees or the rulers of the people believed in him? But this crowd is unlearned and accursed. No, this crowd is, still needs God. Amen. They haven't become their own gods yet. So they still need his love. They still need the reality of God as opposed to merely the concept of God. Amen? So, this is all just the precursor to, to 10. But they, they continue to challenge him, and they said, so he asked them, do you also want to become his disciples? And the Pharisees did not like that. And they said, you know, you are unlearned, and you are a foolish man. They spoke even harsher. And they put him out from the synagogue. Amen? And Jesus went and found him. And he does find us right after we've received something from God and the devil's all over our back like a duck on a June bug. He comes and finds us and he says, how are you doing? Maybe a brother or sister calls and they say, well, how are you doing? Amen. And that's when Jesus asked him, you know, do you believe? Do you believe in the Christ? Do you believe in Messiah? And he said, Lord, show him to me that I may believe in him. Amen. This this guy is not a passive bystander anymore. He's been pulled in to the fullness of God's purpose. And he wants to see 
what God would show him. Show him to me, Lord, that I may believe in him. And that's when Jesus says, I who speak to you am he. It's one of the very few times, that and the woman at the well, it's one of the very few times that Jesus came right out and told people that he was the Messiah. One of the very few times in all of the New Testament when he did that. Amen. But he'll disclose himself to people who've just encountered him and just put their neck on the line for him. Amen? Okay. But the Pharisees said, The man answered and said to them, Well, here is an amazing thing, that you do not know where he is from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not hear sinners. But if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, God hears him. Since the beginning of time, it has never been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born entirely in sins, and you are teaching us? So they put him out. They put him out of the synagogue, which is to say they excommunicated him. Jesus heard that they had put him out. They're not just moving him from the room. They put him out of the synagogue. Jesus heard that they had put him out, and he went and found him. And he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have both seen him. You hadn't in the past, but you have now. You have both seen him, and he is the one who is talking with you. Amen. This isn't some scary future thing. You've seen it. And every one of us have seen him. Not as that glorious one man walking on the earth. But we have seen the things of God. We have seen the the presence of God, the glory of God. And we've heard him speak to us. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world. That those who do not see may see. And that those who see may become blind. Amen. So this incredible healing that has just taken place with this man, that has brought life and wholeness and healing and given him sight, it's brought judgment to the Pharisees. Because when God does something, you've got to make a decision about it. We cannot be neutral bystanders. Jesus said this is the verdict That light comes into the world, and then we're confronted with a decision. Either we're going to say yes, or we're going to say no. Amen? And he said, for judgment I came into this world, so that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Those of the Pharisees who were with him, with Jesus that is, heard these things, and they said to him, We are not blind too, are we? That's how a lot of people ask questions of God. Is it a real question? Are they really saying, God, are we blind? They're challenging him. You're not suggesting that we're blind. Because they were the only people that couldn't recognize what God was doing that day. They were blind to it. We're not blind too, are we? Jesus said, if you were blind... You would have no sin. God can heal blindness. God can forgive you. But it's when you make yourself God. And you say, I can determine for myself good and evil. I don't have to stand humbly before God. I don't have to feel after Him, grope for Him, if happily or happily I may find Him. Amen. I can detach myself and become a spectator in this cock my head and say, is this God or not? You see, we think we're the ones judging. But Jesus says, while we're cocking our heads and analyzing, we're the ones being judged. So ask yourself, and I ask myself, 
Do what I say the same thing as the Pharisees? Am I blind also? Or would I say, God, am I blind to something? There's two ways of asking the same thing, isn't it? If you were blind, you would have no sin. But since you say, but since you make a claim, there's no humility. Because he gives grace to the humble. Amen? If you didn't know, you'd just say, God, I just want to know. I, I don't know. But since you say, we see. We see right through this. But since you say, we see, then your sin remains. Truly, truly, and this is 10, but he never breaks his thought. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, is a thief and a robber. Amen? Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Who are the sheep in this passage? The sheep is obviously this man who is like a lamb in his innocence and his neediness. Who are the thieves and robbers in this instance? It's obviously the Pharisees. What are they wanting to do? What does the thief do? He's wanting to steal this man's victory. Amen? He wants to come up to you right after God speaks to you in this meeting and just take it away from you. He doesn't want you to open your heart. He doesn't want you to say, God, you created me. You gave me the capacity to feel, to hear, and to understand. And in your presence, you awaken all of my senses. But most importantly, the deep feelings of my heart when deep calls unto deep. And I, I know I'm one of your sheep because I, I feel something tugging on my heart. And it's from the heart that we believe in are saved. That would result in salvation. Amen? But if you distance yourself and you analyze, that's not going to result in salvation, is it? It's going to result in you saying, I see. But God's saying, no, you're actually judged. Your cynicism, your criticism has separated you. Truly I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens. And the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Amen. You see, even the sheep can't just sit there chewing their cud and kind of nod them. Hmm? God calls to them. They can't be complacent. If you're going to be part of what God's doing, none of us can be. Because he calls us by name. What that means is that when his word is coming forth, he is describing us. He is revealing the secrets of our hearts. And it's as if he were calling our name. So precise is his word as it comes through the song, as it comes through the testimonies, as it comes through the scriptures. Amen? And you say, God, that's me. Well, don't be discouraged and don't be afraid. That's him calling his sheep by name. But he doesn't just call to him and tell him, hey, you, glad to know you again. He calls them to lead them out. He calls you because he wants to take you to a place where you can find pasture. You can find nourishment for your soul. Amen? So you got to get up. Amen. And get ready to start following if you're one of his sheep. You've got to recognize his voice. My sister Amanda always had sheep. And I like sheep a lot. She always had a few sheep. And the sheep actually do learn to recognize your voice. As those of you who have sheep, Brother Ben, I can see you nodding your head. But they do. They, they learn to recognize your voice. You can have 20 sheep out in a field several acres large. And you go out there and you start calling, hey, sheep! If I did it, they'd just kind of go, what's he doing? 
Do you know him? But if Amanda or Simeon, my brother, if they did it, all their bells would start ringing and they'd start coming across the field. Why do they do that? You could say, well, because they're hungry, and that's true. But the reason they answer the call is because they trust that the one calling them always gives them what they need, that there's something they can, they can trust in right there. Amen? And the sheep are not just this big mass of humanity. God is intimately aware of every single one of our struggles. He doesn't just have this horde called my sheep, but he knows us each by name. He knows what our struggles are. He knows what our fears are. And sheep are really by instinct fearful creatures. Wouldn't you agree? Amen. To him the doorkeeper opens. And the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name. And he leads them out. When he puts forth his own, he goes ahead of them. And the sheep follow because they know his voice. He keeps calling out the gate, down the road, around a corner. And the sheep are asking in their hearts, God, is this your plan? And just about the time they start lagging back, wondering if this is God's will, all of a sudden the word comes again. And they say, oh, this is God's voice. I can keep following. And they pick up pace. They say, I don't want to be left behind. Because I can go anywhere. I can go through anything. I can be the mo- in the most unfamiliar circumstance. But if I just have the familiarity of his presence, of his voice, that's all that matters to me. Amen. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Oh no, there's shadows. There's cliffs on both sides. There's wolves prowling around. I would fear evil. But I don't fear evil because his voice beckons and I get near him. I would fear evil if I was distant from him, right? But I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Amen. You're right there. If you don't have that kind of relationship with God, you're unprepared. Amen. That's why we have these meetings. That's why we share the word of the the Lord with one another. Every day... We're listening for his voice. In every prayer time, we're feeling after him. We're groping along the wall, waiting to hear his voice reorient our world in the darkness and show us where we're heading. Amen? Sometimes it's in the valley of the shadow of death. Amen? Can you imagine if we turned out all the lights in this place tonight? And we took one of you, Zane, I'm going to pick on you again this week. We took Zane, blindfolded him, and we spun him around in a lot of circles right there in the middle. He can go this way, he can go that way, he can go that way, he can come this way. He's got four directions before him. And we said, Zane, you only have one chance. Make it to the exit right now. That's exactly how we are. We only have one life to live. We only have one door to heaven. We only have one chance to get on the right course and pursue it with all our might. Amen? And the world and all the things that blind us, our human frailty, our weakness, it covers our eyes. The God of this world has blinded the minds of them who believe not. Amen? And poor Zane, we could all stand back on the sidelines and not say a word. Why would we be quiet as we watched him stumble and fumble and reach, trying to decide if this chair is different than that chair, if he's hearing something? When you cannot see, we would be quiet because a single word from a single person would reorient Zane and tell him exactly where he was standing. Do you understand? Amen. He would know. Okay. If Brother Lonnie said something, he'd move toward that because he'd know that was closest to the door. 
Do you understand? If Joseph said something, he could move that way because it was closest to the door. When you cannot see, you have to rely on your ears. But our walk with God is not by sight. Paul said, we walk not by sight, but by faith. And how do we walk by faith? How does faith come to us? Faith comes by hearing. And then the hearing by the word of God. And we're no longer walking in darkness. But in thy word which is a lamp unto my feet. And a light unto my pathway. Amen. Speak to me Lord. And I can walk in that. It's as if the darkness becomes light before me. Amen. Thank you Jesus. When he puts forth his own. He goes ahead of them. The Bible tells us that Jesus was made like us in every way. Every way. That he was tempted in like manner just as we are. There's nothing you've gone through, there's nothing you've struggled with that he didn't struggle with. Yes, even that and that. And that also. He faced it. He struggled with it. Nothing, 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 nothing. He's just like us. He's a high priest who can sympathize not with our strength, but with our weakness. He goes before his sheep. There's no place his sheep can walk that he hasn't walked first. There's nothing you can battle that hasn't been first wrestled with and overcome by the Spirit. You can look around at the people in this room and see how the Spirit of Christ has conquered through even people in this room just about everything you can face. Somebody in here that you can speak with face to face. They've conquered it through His Spirit. Amen? When He puts forth His own, He goes ahead of them. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger, they simply will not follow. Remember, he's talking about the man who was born blind. And he's saying blindness isn't the problem. Distrust and arrogance, that's the problem. Blindness can be healed. Thy word can become a light unto the path of the blind. The people walking in darkness can see a great light. And upon them that walked under the shadow of death, a light will dawn. Amen? But it's those who say we already see. That's the hopeless ones. Those are the hopeless ones. A stranger, they simply will not follow. But they will flee from him. Because they do not know the voice of strangers. Did the man born blind, did he know the voice of the Pharisees? Hmm? Not as the voice of God. The things they said just did not ring true to him. It was strange. Amen? But the things Jesus said, they just made great sense. It rung true in his heart. It was not strange to him. Amen? This figure of speech, Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand. Who did he speak it to? He spoke to the Pharisees. But they did not understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. They did not know the things freely given to them by God. They did not understand it. They were blind. So Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me, all who came before me, are thieves and robbers. They're usurpers making a claim to the throne. But they don't have the voice of God. They don't have the Spirit of God, the presence of God, and the sheep don't trust Him. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out 
and find pasture. Now let's just stop there for just a second. Okay? Are you getting sleepy? I'll go turn the lights off if you are. You can have a nap. Jesus is the door. Amen? How do you walk through Jesus into God's will? Into that place where there is pasture in God? Hmm? In your daily life, he says he will lead them in and out. There's coming and going. There's constant walking over thresholds. Decisions to be made. How do you do that? With Jesus as the door. Hmm? Have you ever been with somebody who is driving along? Maybe they're going out of town for, for running an errand, going to pick up some cows somewhere. Some of you young brothers, you're going to have to answer me on this. And you're sitting in there in the truck with them, and y'all are talking about, you know, sawdust and hay and other things and dogs, whatever. And then it kind of gets quiet, and they're moving along, and all of a sudden they start praying. Maybe it's just, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. What do you want to do? You want to get something to eat? You're moving along. Go a little, way, a little later and thank you, Lord. Amen. And then move on. Ever been around something like that? Raise your hand if you have. Oh, good. I was getting worried it was just that they were praying because I was in the car. <laughs> what do you think they're doing? Paul said, the first Adam became a living soul. But the second Adam became a life-giving spirit. Can everybody say life-giving spirit? Jesus said to them, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Amen? And Paul said that it's the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. He said, I do not. I lay my life down and I take it up myself. And the same spirit that raised him from the dead gives life to our mortal bodies. Amen? So if he's the door then we have to get in that space. We have to make those threshold decisions standing in His Spirit. We have to get back into the life-giving Spirit of this second Adam. Amen? This doorway into another kingdom. That's what Jesus was. He's our exemplary doorway. Amen? But He's also our presence. The presence his presence is our doorway. Amen? So when we're, when we're struggling, we're not knowing what to do. We say, God, you are the door. So let me get back to you. Amen, God. Let me just pray for a minute here. Amen. And we feel after him again. We feel his presence come back down around us. Amen. We hear his voice. And then it's clear. We walk. And we walk with faith. Amen? I am the door if anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. The thief comes to steal your faith. God didn't do a miracle for you. You weren't born blind. Well, then he didn't heal you. Well, it must have been the mud. There's special minerals in that junk. He steals your faith. He steals it. You've got this faith in your... Look what God's done for Oh, let's just diminish it a little bit. Let's laugh about it. Let's mock about it. He steals. When He steals your faith, He kills your salvation. He destroys your soul. Amen? The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that you may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He was a hired hand and not a shepherd who is not the owner of the sheep 
sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a higher hand. I came. Why did he come? Why did he come? That you may that you may have life. In the first chapter of the book of John, he says, in him was life. And his life was the light of men. Amen. That's that word. Amen. The word is living and powerful. And he was the word made flesh. Amen. What did Jesus say in John 63? He said, how do we get life? How do we get the life that Jesus came to bring us? He said, the flesh profits nothing. What did he say then after that? The spirit gives life. Amen? The words I speak to you are spirit and they are life. In him was life and the life was the light of men. Amen? So God, Jesus came to the world that you may have life and have it to the full. Amen? Do you have that life? You say, oh, that life is for the sweet by and by. No. That life is for today. That life is for tonight. Amen? Martha, remember when, when, when poor Lazarus was sick? <laughs> Jesus heard that he was sick and it says, and so he waited four days. Well, this is another scenario just two chapters later, exactly like the John 9 scenario. Why is this happening? Because Lazarus sinned or because Jesus is sinning? In this case, that's what they were wondering. Amen? What did he say? No, but that you might see the glory of God. Amen? So Jesus purposely let him go through something. It was more than something. He died. And he was dead three days. And when Jesus showed up, Martha was there, and she reasoned with God just like we all do. In the sweet by and by. Just like he was saying. In the sweet by and by. I love the song, but we put too much in the sweet by and by. Remember what Jesus said to her? She says, Lord, if you had been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. Jesus said, Martha, did I not tell you I am the resurrection and the life? She says, yes, Lord, I know that on the last day, way, way, way out there, millions of years away, something great's going to happen in our lives. Amen? We believe in God, but it's just so far in the future. It really is, only takes as much faith, faith as evolution, really, you know. Just put enough million years on the end of it, and God is going to do it all. He's going to reign someday. He's going to have a people someday. Isn't it going to be beautiful? In the sweet by and by. But it was in the nasty now and now. Amen? She says, yes, Lord, way off there. You're going to do something. And he said, no. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. The life. He's the life. The first Adam became a living soul, but the second Adam became a life-giving spirit. I came that you may have life and have it to the full. Amen? Spiritually speaking, what makes us dead? What does the Bible show us? Makes us dead. To be carnally minded, he said, is... That's not the route to death. That's death. To only be able to see things in the natural, well, you've already arrived at the place called death. Amen? But to be spiritually minded, well, that's a pathway to life. Is that what he says? But to be spiritually minded is... Life and peace. Well, it's the same thing as the Lord said to Adam and Eve in the garden, isn't it? In the day that you become carnally minded, you're going to die. 
In the day that you eat of this tree of knowledge where you decide for yourself what you can and cannot see, what's good and evil, amen, you're going to die. Death is going to start reigning. Fragmentation, disintegration is going to start reigning in your life. Dying, you will die. To be carnally minded is death. Amen? What does he say? You formerly were dead in your what? Trespasses and sins. But someday, isn't that what it says in Colossians 2? Someday, thousands of years away, God is going to make you alive together with Christ. And he's going to seat you in heavenly places. Isn't that what it says? Listen to the tense. Listen to the grammar that he uses there in Colossians 2. Verse 13. You formerly were dead in your trespasses and sins. Come on, help me. What does it say? But now. What does it say? He has. Not he will. But he has made you alive together with Christ. And he has seated you with Christ in heavenly places. Amen? And what does Paul say in Romans 6? Do not go on presenting your members as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as alive from the dead. Amen? You want to start serving God? You can't do it with your complacency. You can't do it with your cocked head of analysis. You've got to be coming. You've got to come alive. Amen? What would you feel like? What, what would be going through your mind if you just came back from the dead? <laughs> utter darkness, utter silence, utter, utter loneliness, death. How do you feel? When you've been away from town, let's say for five weeks, three weeks, and you walk into a room of familiar people, and you realize that they've changed a little, and oh, the furniture's rearranged. You're excited. You can't help it. Oh, it's so good to see you. You want to get involved, don't you? That's three weeks of being out of town. What does it look like for someone to be alive from the dead? What does it look like for someone to be crawling out of a tomb called the cave of the carnal mind where God's light never shone and God's love was never felt and God's faith never brought victory to overcome? Suddenly the tombstone is rolled away and you're like, wow, guys, I'm back from the dead. When God fills you with His Spirit, the self-same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, when it gives life to your mortal bodies, you come alive in the spirit. You worship like nobody's ever worshipped. You serve as unto the Lord. You're a man with a purpose. Amen. Because you've been to death and you come back. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Go to Romans 8. Or let me go there. Right here. Thank you, Jesus. Right here. Therefore, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. I am the resurrection and the life. The first Adam became a living soul, but the second Adam became a life-giving spirit. you got to get inside that life-giving spirit. And that life-giving spirit's got to get inside of you. And it's got to so change you and revolutionize your life that people look at you as one who's come back from the dead. Amen. Therefore, there is no, now, now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Because the flesh profits nothing, but the Spirit gives life. That's why I told them to wait in Jerusalem until they received the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit. Amen? Because that was the resurrection coming inside of them. Amen? 
Amen. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin. You said, what's the law of the Spirit? We know what the law of sin was. It's the law of ordinances and commandments that could not change us or make us righteous. What's the law of the Spirit? Here's what the law of the Spirit is. Now, the kurios is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Now, the Lord, the law, the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Amen? Amen? So there is, a, there is a submission. There is an order. There is a commandment of the Spirit. Amen? The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Amen? So we got to stand in that doorway of God's presence. we got to live our life in that doorway of God's presence. Amen? Amen. And we got to say, God, what is the law of the Spirit in this situation? I know what the law of the flesh is. I've done that my whole life. But it was dead. It was death. What's the law of the Spirit? Here it is, God. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Amen. Who empowers me, who quickens me. Amen. I'm sorry. I'm just like someone coming back from the dead. Amen. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirements of the law, the old law that is, not the law of the Spirit, so that the requirements of the law might be fulfilled where? In Christ? Where? In us. The requirements of the old law that we couldn't obey, suddenly, it's no longer a requirement from, ex- from outside. It's an empowerment from inside. Amen? So that the requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Isn't that what Peter's problem was? Your mind is set on the things that be of man rather than the things that be of God. That's why Peter had to be born again. That's why Peter had to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God. It is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You can't do it. It's not that you're not willing. It's not that you don't want to. You can't. You don't have the power. You can stand over Lazarus' tomb and just rebuke him day and night. Lazarus, you're such a bad boy. I'm telling you what, this is just lazy of you. You need to snap out of it right now. I mean, Lazarus, this is out of it. Is he going to come out? Hmm? Is he going to come out? No. No. You're powerless. You can't do it. As long as you're bringing the requirements of God over the flesh, it's powerless. It's Lazarus without the voice of God. But when the voice of God starts to come, his sheep hear his voice and they call and he calls them out, out of wherever they are. Amen. And life comes inside of them and they're filled with his spirit. Then suddenly they have the power that they've lacked their whole life. Does that make you excited? Amen. Let's worship God for a minute. Amen. Praise you. Amen. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Can you say cannot? Cannot. It's not that they don't want to. It's that they cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. However, you are not in the flesh, but you are in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God is in you. Is it? Have you been filled with the Spirit? Every one of us has been visited by the Spirit. John the Baptist was visited. He was anointed to minister. But something happened, Jesus said, among all those born of women. John the Baptist was the greatest. But the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. What was Jesus saying? The difference between those in the kingdom and out of the kingdom is a difference of how you were born. If you're just born of flesh, if you're just naturally born, you don't have the Spirit. 
Amen? But the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Amen? So something's got to happen. And we call it rebirth. But it's this awakening, this regeneration of the dormant Spirit of God. When Adam was God's son, Adam sinned. And through his sin, he brought darkness on his own spirit. He was degenerate. Amen? And so he was no longer a son of God. He was a reprobate. And all of us inherit that reprobate nature, that Adam nature, or we might say Adamic nature. Amen? But when we hear the word of God and we receive the truth that he came to bring life and we believe that this promise is for us and for our children and for all who are far off, we can receive the Holy Spirit. Every single person in this room tonight can receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus befuddled Nicodemus. Poor Nicodemus said to him, how can I be born again? Must I enter my mother's womb a second time? And Jesus answered that question of how you can be born again. Here's how he answered it. He said, well, the wind blows where it wishes. Well, what does that have to do with rebirth? Listen, the word wind in in the Greek is the word pneuma, and it's also the word for spirit. So he says, the wind blows where it wishes. You don't know where it's coming from, and you don't know where it's going. But you hear its voice. You hear the sound of it. And Jesus said, so is it with everyone who is born of the Spirit. He said, you hear the sound of it. So is it with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now when was that fulfilled? When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all together in one place, one mind and one accord. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound as of a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared divided tongues as of fire, one resting on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave utterance. And there were devout Jews in Jerusalem. And when they heard this sound that Jesus said everyone was going to make, that was going to come when anyone was born of the Spirit, when the Jews heard this sound, they questioned, what is going on? And Peter stood up and said, this is what was promised by Joel. In the last days, saith God, I shall pour forth my spirit on my sons and daughters. And they shall prophesy. Amen. And then he finished. They said, oh, well, Peter, what should we do? He said, you should repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you. It's not just for the people in the first two chapters of the book of Acts. It's not just for X2 or X10. The promise is for you and for your children and for your children's children and for all who are far off. That means you. You and you and you and every one of us in this place tonight. The promise is for you and your children and your children's children and all who are far off as many as the Lord our God shall call. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. But I'm still in Romans 8. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, second Adam became a life-giving Spirit. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. There's that beautiful chapter in John 10. I know those who are mine, who belong to me. And none shall snatch them out of my hand. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, that means the curse is still, our body is still dying. We're still under death in our body because of sin, because of the curse. Amen? And yet, though outwardly we're fading away, inwardly we're being renewed day by day. Amen? If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. Your spirit, that's little spirit, not big spirit, your spirit is alive. It's resurrected because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, this is a resurrection spirit. This is a life-giving spirit. I came that you may have life. Amen? If the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who is dwelling in you. Amen? 
So there is a life of God that is to be had now. There is a power of God that is to be had now. There is a victory in God and a joy in God that is to be had now. Don't put it off. It's for now. I came that you may have life and have it to the full. Amen? Amen. It's not just the futuristic way off. What did John say? By this we know that we have passed out of death and into life. How? If we love the brethren. How does the love of God come into our lives? Come on, I can't hear you. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. We don't know how to love. We don't know how to completely love. We don't know how to faithfully love. Like we do once we open ourselves up to the God who is love. And we let his waterfall of love just pour into our souls. Amen? It's just shed abroad in our hearts when we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? And then it springs up a fountain of living water. Amen? And we, we can leave it behind. We can put a lid on that well. We can dry up the fountain. We can walk away from it. But we're not going to do that, are we? Amen? We're going to say, spring up a well within my soul. Spring up a well. You well of the Holy Spirit. When I don't know how to love, God, help me to stand in the doorway of your presence again. And here it comes. The Holy Spirit. When I don't know how to pray, God, help me to stand in the doorway of your presence and call on your name again. Amen. We don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Holy Spirit makes intercession through us with groanings too deep for words. Here it comes, God. Amen. We've been made more than conquerors through him who loved us. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Jesus said, For just as the Father has life in himself, even so he gave to the Son also to have life in himself. No person on earth has life in themselves. Amen? You don't have the power of life in your life. Amen? But when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, God gives you his own, his own essence. Peter said, through these exceedingly great and precious promises, we have become partakers of the divine nature. Amen? Go and tarry in Jerusalem until you receive what was promised by my Father. Amen? For John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire. It feels like fire when the presence of God comes inside. Amen? I think it feels like resurrection. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. Amen. He's living. He's going to die, but he's going to keep on living. But you've got to do the living on this side first if you're going to expect the living on that side. Amen. You, this is Ephesians. It's so much like Colossians. You were dead in your transgressions and sins. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. And God raised us up. This is resurrection talk, isn't it? Does it say God will raise us up? No, it's not what it says. God raised us up and seated us with him in heavenly places. What are the heavenly places? Amen. What are the heavenly places? It's when the heavens open and there's no barrier between the Spirit of God and the Spirit of man. Amen? Jesus told, Jesus told Nathaniel, from now on, you will see the heavens opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Amen? The heavens are open. That's what Stephen saw. He gazed up in the heaven and he said, behold, I see the heavens open. That means there's no, there's no barrier. You can access the throne of grace. Jesus has opened a new and living way. And we can come boldly before him. Amen? We can come because he's shown us how much he loves us. We have nothing to fear. Amen? He's our good shepherd. 
Thank you, Jesus. Let's worship God again right now. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, let's worship Him. Let's really worship Him. Hallelujah. We praise you, God, for your presence, for your spirit. God, we want to be alive, Jesus. We want to be resurrected out of the carnal mind, out of the carnal life. We want to come into the liberty of the sons of God. Jesus, visit us with your grace today, God.